Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Uh, I want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online as well this morning. And I want to encourage you to open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 6. Paul wrote some final words of instruction and encouragement to us as he ended Galatians. Final words are important words. Final words are words that need to be heard and read, words that need to be understood and cherished, words that need to be obeyed and shared. Final words are important. Paul begins his final words to us in Galatians chapter 6. I'll begin reading in verse 11. Paul wrote these words, look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. First, Paul says, look, look is an imperative, it's a command. It means see, notice, take notes. It means look with your eyes and perceive with your minds. He's challenging us right here in verse 11 to Look with our physical and spiritual eyes. Look means look and know. Look and understand. Look is a command. It's in the aorist tense, which means there's urgency here. He's saying look now. Notice now. Take note right now. Look, know, obey today. Take note now. He said look at what large letters I use. Now, Paul didn't specify the reason he used large letters. There have been many who have tried to surmise the reason for the statement of the large letters. Some say that the large letters means that Paul was writing here these final verses in all capitals. And he did that because all capitals would be larger than the letters he used in the other words, which would allow for emphasis to be taken off of these final words and from these final words in Galatians. Others have said, no, 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 the final, uh, the large letters and these final words uh, to us at the end of Galatians, the large letters was a reference that Paul was making back to chapter four. If you remember our study through chapter four, Paul talked about the weakness of the flesh and many people think that the weakness of the flesh was poor eyesight and so Paul was making a note to say, look at the large letters I'm using as I write, meaning I'm writing these letters, but understand, remember the weakness of my flesh, it's impacting my writing and so the letters might be larger than what you've read previous to this passage. He didn't share in particular why the large letters? Look at what large letters I use. He said, as I write to you in my own handwriting. Now here's where Paul was specific. Paul made one point clear here in verse 11. Paul wrote these words. He wanted us to understand. He didn't want there to be any confusion. Paul wrote these words. Verses 11 and following. Sometimes Paul used a scribe or an amanuensis to record his letters. Paul would dictate his letters, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. He would dictate his letters that we read here in the passages, in the scriptures. And his amanuensis or scribe would write the letters down on parchment. There are times when Paul's amanuensis was identified in his writings. And there are times 
when his amanuensis or scribe was not identified in his writings. One particular example, if you turn to your left, in Romans chapter 16, Paul identified his amanuensis. The amanuensis, the scribe who wrote the letter of Romans as Paul dictated it, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, is identified in Romans 16 and verse 22. We read, I, Tertias, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. So Tertias was the amanuensis for Paul within the book of Romans. Sometimes Paul would take the pen at the end of his letters. Sometimes Paul would take the pen out of the scribe or amanuensis' hand at the end of his letters, and Paul would write himself the final words to the particular letter. The final words of greeting most often in the particular letter. That happened here in Galatians. That's what's going on here in Galatians. This also happened in 1 Corinthians 16. We see at the end of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16 verse 21, Paul wrote, this greeting is in my own hand, Paul. So he did that with his first letter to the church at Corinth. He did it with Galatians. He did it in Colossians. If you look in Colossians chapter 4 in verse 18, I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So Paul would write the final words in some of his letters in his own handwriting. Two reasons for Paul's ending. Two reasons he would write the ending. The first is verification. Paul's writing would verify his authorship of the letter. We see this in 2 Thessalonians. At the end of 2 Thessalonians, in chapter 3, in verse 17, Paul said, Paul wrote this, I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand, which is an authenticating mark. In every letter, this is how I write. So the readers, the recipients of the letter, would receive the letter. They would see Paul's greeting at the end, and they would know that this was truly his letter, his authorship. It wasn't a forged document. It was a trustworthy document. Now, Paul would also, as we know, send each of his letters to the local churches that he was writing to by way of uh, friends or couriers who were friends, and they would also, as they delivered the letters to the churches, they would verify Paul's authorship. So the first reason is verification. The second reason is inspiration. Every word in God's word is from God to you and me. All scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is inspired by God. It's breathed out by the Holy Spirit of God to the authors of scripture for you and me to consume today. And so we know Paul's letters were literally God's words by his Holy Spirit to and through Paul. And so Paul urged the churches, and he urges believers today, the believers in the churches years ago, he urges us today to read, to receive, to know, and to obey the truth, God's truth in these letters. That's why he said, look, in the beginning of verse 11, that means look, it means receive, read, obey, share, now. Do this now without delay. And so we see Paul is making this clear. Verification, inspiration. Now, as we see Paul ended Galatians, he did it a little differently than he ended most of his other letters in which he wrote the final words because this is more than a greeting at the end of Galatians. And so let's get involved. Let's just jump right in and get into what he's had to say to us. In verse 12, those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. 
As Paul ended Galatians, Paul returned to an issue he wrote about throughout Galatians. This is familiar because we're all now scholars as, our, as we've made our way through this study of Galatians. The main issue is salvation by faith, not works. The main issue is salvation by faith, not works. He's returning to the issue he had talked about throughout Galatians. Paul said those in verse 12. Those is a reference to the Judaizers, the false teachers that he's been battling with throughout Galatians. The Judaizers, the false teachers, those, they were the ones who taught salvation is by faith in Jesus plus works, such as circumcision, obedience to the Old Testament law, and literally becoming like a Jew in order to be saved. These Judaizers, the false teachers, they denied the sufficiency of Jesus' sacrifice for salvation. They said it's not faith in Jesus alone. Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough for salvation. you got to have works. So Paul warned these believers about the false teachers throughout Galatians. Paul warned them over and over again. You remember in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 7, Paul said that these Judaizers, these false teachers, were the ones who were troubling you and they want to distort the gospel of Christ. He said in chapter 2 and verse 4, these Judaizers, these false teachers, are false brothers who have infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. And so he was making it clear. He warned these believers about these false teachers, those that we see here uh, as we look at verse 11. Paul also rebuked the false teachers throughout Galatians. Now he warned the believers and he rebuked the false teachers. We see this, for example, in Galatians 2 and verses 15 and 16. He wrote, we are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. He 100% rebuked the message, the false message of the false teachers throughout Galatians. He's reminding them of this at the end. He says salvation is by God's grace through faith in Jesus, not by works. And so he's bringing this all back to the front of their minds as he's ending Galatians. He said, those who want to make a good impression in the flesh. The Judaizers, the false teachers, wanted to make a good impression in the flesh. That means these false teachers were people pleasers, not God pleasers, which is what Paul talked about in chapter one. They were people pleasers, not God pleasers. They wanted to make a good impression in the flesh. They were wanting to impress the legalistic Jews. Remember, those Jews that came from Jerusalem that we talked about earlier in our study. They wanted to impress the legalistic Jews who came from Jerusalem to pressure the Gentiles to become like Jews in order to be saved, which included works for salvation. So these Judaizers, these false teachers, they focused, they emphasized, they taught the outward work of the circumcision of the flesh for salvation rather than teaching, focusing, and emphasizing the inward work of the conviction of the Holy Spirit for salvation. Paul's reminding them, he's ending this letter, he's reminding them of what he shared with them. He said, those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised. He's reminding them, listen, gang, 
those false teachers, the Judaizers, they are the ones, not me. Well, saying they are the ones who want to compel, force, and coerce you to be circumcised for salvation. Paul had said over and over and over again in Galatians, their message is wrong. The false teachers, the Judaizers, their message is wrong. Now, in verse 12, Paul said, not only is their message wrong, Paul said, their motives are wrong. The motives behind the message is wrong. The message is wrong. Salvation is not by works. But the motives behind the message is also wrong. Look at what he says at the end of verse 12. He says, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. So now we find out. The reason the Judaizers, the false teachers, compelled these Gentile believers to be circumcised was because they didn't want to be persecuted, ridiculed by the legalistic Jews for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ is the doctrine of salvation by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ Jesus alone. The Judaizers, the false teachers, knew that the legalistic Jews from Jerusalem, the home base in Jerusalem, the Pharisaical legalistic Jews in Jerusalem, would have ridiculed them. They would have persecuted them for not teaching salvation by works. And so these Judaizers, these false teachers, were more concerned about their fellow Jews' opinion of them than they were about God's opinion of them. They were more focused on the persecution from these legalistic Jews rather than peace from the Lord God. And so they taught a false theology. They taught a works-based righteousness. They were trying to lead these believers astray by teaching that the only way to have a relationship with God, the way to salvation, is by faith in Jesus plus work, specifically for you Gentiles, the work of circumcision, obedience to the Old Testament law. And so Paul was helping them to understand what was going on here. He was reminding them of what he had taught them, that their message is wrong and their motives are wrong. Their motives are completely wrong. So don't listen to what they're saying because I'm telling you why they're saying what they're saying and it's all wrong. Here's the warning from verse 12 to you and me today. Here's the warning. The warning is simply this for you and me. We must not be more concerned with what others think about us than what God thinks about us. We must not be more concerned with what others think about us than we are with what God thinks about us. Because you see what happens is when we get more concerned with what others think about us than what God thinks about us, we won't invite people to church. We won't tell people about Jesus. We won't share with others about what God's doing in our lives because we're more concerned with what others are going to think and we're going to push them away or we're going to make them feel uncomfortable than we are with what God said. And what God's told us is we're to go and make disciples of all nations. We're to do good for everyone, do good to all, which includes telling about Jesus and telling about what God's doing in our lives and inviting them to church. You see, it's, it's vitally important for us to be careful that we are not focused more outwardly than we are upward in God. God is the one we are to be focused in on most. 
and we want to please him most. And so we, ne- we understand that there's a warning here, even in this passage, for us today, so that we can receive that and apply it in our lives. That's what Paul was talking about. Don't be led astray. Don't get focused on others rather than on what God's called you to do. He continues in verse 13, for even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves. And yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. He said, even the circumcised, even the legalistic Jews, even the Judaizers, even the false teachers. Paul's reminding these folks, these believers, saying, listen, even the Judaizers, these false teachers, they don't keep the law. Their circumcision of the flesh didn't help them walk by faith. Paul's reminding them they didn't obey their own teaching. They didn't keep the law. And so their failure to obey the law proved their teaching was false. That's what Paul had reminded us back in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Say that with me out loud. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Paul reminded these believers and us that Jesus has set us free from sin, Satan, and death. Jesus set us free by his work on the cross of Calvary. Jesus set us free through his death, burial, and resurrection from sin, our bondage to sin. We have new life, abundant life, eternal life with God in Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't only set us free from sin, Satan, and death. Jesus set us free from the law He's reminding these believers, remember, the law demanded perfect obedience to God. The law that we see in the Old Testament, it demanded perfect obedience to God. The law said you have to obey all the law, all the time, without fail. This was impossible for Paul. This was impossible for these believers in Paul's day. This is impossible for all of us as followers of Jesus Christ because we are all sinners. We have all sinned against God. We have all turned away from God in sin and disobedience to God. We were all turned away. We were none, of, none of us were righteous, no, not one. So we had all turned away from God and our sin against God. And so, therefore, we know we can't be good enough, and there's not enough good works that we can do to get rid of our sin and get to God on our own. This is what the law teaches us. The law shouts, you need help from God. The law shouts, I need help from God to get to God. The law shows us our sin and our need for the Savior Jesus. The law tells us faith in Jesus is the only way to God. And so we know this is why Paul wrote, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stop talking about the law. Don't listen to these guys talk about the law. They're not even doing it. And the law itself is from God to point us to Jesus Christ. And so we see, I am free from my bondage to sin by faith in Jesus. You are free from your bondage to sin by faith in Jesus. And the freedom Jesus gives us is a freedom not to live for ourselves. It's a freedom to live for God. The freedom Jesus gives us is not a freedom to please ourselves. It's a freedom to please God. The gospel is the good news of our freedom in Christ Jesus. And so Paul was reminding them as he ends this letter of these amazing truths. There's freedom, not in obedience law because you're going to get it caught up in all this legalism because you're never going to be able to do it, but not even the teachers, the false teachers do it. 
And then he said, for even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, and yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. Now he's bringing it home to him. He's saying, listen, gang, remember now, the Judaizers are false teachers. They don't even keep the law. And let me give you some more motives. Paul's reminding them and telling them this. Listen, the reason the Judaizers want you to be circumcised, the reason the Judaizers want the Gentile Christians to be circumcised is so they can boast about how effective they were at making the Gentiles be circumcised in order to receive salvation. They're wanting to boast about you. That's the reason they're sharing this false theology. You see, the Judaizers, the false teachers, were focused on the flesh, not faith. They were focused on pleasing people, not God. The Judaizers, the false teachers, wanted to keep the Jewish and Gentile Christians in bondage to the law rather than pointing them to their freedom in Christ Jesus. And so Paul here is reminding them, we are free in Jesus. Praise God, when the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. Amen? When the sun Jesus sets us free, we're free. We're free from our bondage to sin. And we're free to live for Jesus. And we're free to love like Jesus. And so Paul's reminding them of these truths. And then Paul continues in verse 14. And he says, but as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. Paul says, but as for me. But as for me, signified a shift from what he had just written in verses 11 and 12 and 13 and to what he's writing now in verse 14. But as for me, here's what Paul was telling them. He just finished telling them the Judaizers, the false teachers, they boast in themselves and in their works. They're going around boasting about themselves and the works of obeying the law, which they don't even do. And he said, but as for me, which means far be it from me, but as for me means God forbid that I boast about myself or my works like the Judaizers. He said, God forbid. He said, far be it from me to ever boast, to ever boast in myself or in my works like the Judaizers are doing. Paul said this, he said, but as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul understood his only boast was in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul understood his only boast was in the fact that he knew the Lord by God's grace through his faith in Christ Jesus. Paul knew the only thing he boasted in is in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because that was the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ opened the way for us to receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God. Paul knew the only thing he could ever boast in, he would never boast in himself, he would never boast in his works, the only thing he could ever boast in is in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Judaizers were boasting in circumcision. Paul was boasting in the cross. The Judaizers were boasting in their flesh works. Paul was boasting in Jesus' finished work. And so we see, Paul said, I will never, ever boast in anything other than the cross. 
A great warning again for us as Christ followers to not boast in anything of ourselves, but to only boast and only glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting to note, and again, we've discussed this, we've learned this through our study of Galatians and other letters that Paul wrote. Paul had learned this incredible principle because the truth of the matter is Paul had more to boast in than any of these Jews had. Paul had more to boast in than the legalistic Jews from Jerusalem. If he wanted to, he had more to boast in than any of the Jews. Remember, Paul had shared with us in Galatians chapter 1 in verse 13, for you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. I advanced, say advanced, I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. Paul reminded them, listen, I was the number one ranked Jew in the world. There was no Jew greater than me. There was no Jew that knew more than me. There's no Jew that did more than me. Paul told us in his letter to the church at Philippi, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. When it comes to the law, I was a Pharisee. When it comes to zeal, I persecuted the church. Paul was the man. He surpassed all his contemporaries. He knew more, did more than all of them. And so Paul was reminding of this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13, 14. But if you continue in verse 15, here's the famous words that are the testimony of our lives and the testimony of Paul's life. But when God, but when God, say that with me out loud. But when God, again, but when God, Paul said, but when God called me by his grace. Oh, here we go. Paul said, I had everything that I ever could need to boast in, but when God called me by his grace. You see, everything changed for Paul and in Paul when Paul came face to face with the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul came face to face with Jesus on the road to Damascus, when Jesus confronted Paul on the road to Damascus, everything changed. And Paul gave testimony to this. And Paul said in Philippians, he said, everything I counted as gain. That means everything I boasted in, everything I trusted in, I consider loss because of Jesus. You see, now that I've come face to face with the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, dung, garbage, so that I may gain Christ Jesus. Paul said everything changed. And he's now saying, because of what I learned, because of what I realized, and I learned I was more committed to the law than any of these Jews, and I realized the law could not get us to God. I realized that my sin separated me from God. And when I came face to face with the, the doctrine, the grace of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, I gave myself to the Lord. I repented of my sin. I turned to the Lord. I confessed my sin to God. I surrendered myself to God. I trusted in Jesus and in his death, burial, and resurrection for me, for my salvation. And he says, now, I will never boast, never boast in anything other than the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he continues, and he said, the world has been crucified to me through the cross, and I to the world. The world here means the beliefs, the messages, the thoughts, the ways of those led by Satan who are dead in their sins and transgressions, 
who are separated from God because they're sin against God and who are living in rebellion against God in opposition to God. Those who are under the sway of the evil one. And so we see Paul understood and realized. He said, I, I, the world has been crucified to me through the cross and out of the world. Paul said, the cross has changed my life inside and out. Paul said, the world is no longer, it no longer has a hold on me. The bondage that the world had on me, the, the bondage, the hold that sin had on me has been broken by Jesus. As Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul reminded us when God saves us, we are crucified with Christ. We die to sin and self, and we are raised to our new life in Christ Jesus. We're raised to our abundant life in Christ Jesus. We're raised to our eternal life in Christ Jesus. The world no longer has a hold on you and me when we're in Christ. We are free from our bondage to sin. As Paul said, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. That bond, those chains have been broken. We are dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, as Paul said in the book of Romans. And so we can rejoice that we are free in Jesus to live for Jesus. We are free in Jesus to love like Jesus. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. We have taken off our old self of sin and and self, and we have put on the new self, clothed in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. We are new in Jesus. What a blessing. What a joy, what a privilege. And Paul is reminding these believers as he's finishing this letter, he's telling them, he's reminding them of these vitally important truths, important truths for these believers, important truths for you and for me today as well. So the question is, what is our application today? What do we take away from this passage? What does God want us to take with us this morning? What can we do to put these truths into practice in our lives? The first application point is real simple. Please God. Please God. Please God. You and I must please God. Paul was reminding these believers that the the Judaizers, the false teachers, they were people pleasers, not God pleasers. And we need to be sure that we are God pleasers. We need to please God. As Jesus told us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else will be added unto us. And so we seek to please God today. We seek to please God every day. We seek to please God throughout our day. As we spend time with the Father. As we walk by the Spirit as Paul's been teaching us. And listen, one of the key ways that we're able to please God. One of the key ways that we please him is by getting into his word. By getting into his word, his word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. His word teaches us, rebukes us, corrects us, and trains us in righteousness. So one of the key ways we're able to please God, one of the key ways we're able to seek God first is by getting into his word. But let me make sure you understand and are aware. When we come to God's word, we need to come with a desire to get to know the author of the word, not just to get answers from the word. When we come to God's word, Let me me repeat this. When we come to God's word, we need to come to God's word with a desire to know the author of the word, not just a desire to get answers from the word. Now, we certainly need answers, and we get answers from the word of God. And that's certainly one of the reasons we come to the word, is we need answers. We need wisdom. We need those answers, and we get answers from the word of God. However, we must be careful that we don't go to the word only seeking those answers 
from the Lord without first and foremost and most of all getting into the Word so that we can get to know the author. You see, what God wants us to understand is this is His love letter to us. And we're able to deepen our love relationship with the Father the more we know the Father, the more we are able to communicate with the Father. And so we come to the Word and we come so that we can know the author better and better day by day. And we come to the Word, yes, to get answers. Yes, to get application. Yes, to get the help that we need. But we understand and realize that the answers and the help we need all come from the hand of the Father who loves us. Our good, good Father who loves us and cares for us. You see, the more we know God, the more we will love God. The more we know God, the more we will worship God. The more we know God, the more we will want to please God. God pleasers, not people pleasers, God pleasers. The application for you for me today, this week, is to be a God pleaser. And we please God as we walk by faith. Hebrews 11, 6 reminds us of this, which is why Paul's been saying, we walk by faith as we walk by the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. We please God, as Paul's been telling us in Galatians 6, as we fulfill our responsibilities to one another as family in Jesus. We please God as we take the most of the opportunities, we make the most of the time, we use the opportunities that God gives us each day to do good for everyone, but especially for those who are the household of faith. We please God as we do good to one another, as we share with one another, as we look up with one another to God, as we hold up one another spiritually, as we pick one another up spiritually, we please God as we read and as we understand and as we obey and as we share the word of God. We please God as we get to know God more and more and more. So we please God. The second application step is to praise God. We can please him and then we praise him. The more we please him, the more we want to praise him. The more we want to praise him, the more we want to please him. Listen, we can praise God as Paul was praising God. We were once dead in our sins. We were once separated from God because of our sin against God. We were once objects under God's wrath. We were once on a collision course with an eternity in hell. But God, but God, but God, say that with me. But God, full of grace, love, and mercy. But God saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. He made us alive with him in Christ Jesus. Our only boast today is in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our only boast is in the fact that we know the Lord Jesus Christ. Our boast, our glorying is in the cross, the cross of Christ. The cross informs us that we are sinners and that we're separated from God. The cross humbles us by reminding us that there is no quantity or quality of work that we could ever do to be able to get rid of our sin and get to God on our own. The cross encourages us by showing us the Savior Jesus loved us so much that he sacrificed his life for us on the cross to bring us to God. The cross calls us to repent of our sins, to confess them 
to God and to trust in Jesus and in the finished work, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for our faith in Christ Jesus, for our relationship with God. And then the cross compels us. It compels us to embrace our freedom in Christ Jesus. The cross compels us to confess our sins to God each day so that we can walk by the Spirit of God and see the power of God at work in us, through us, and around us. The cross compels us to live for Jesus. The cross compels us to love like Jesus. The cross compels us to rejoice in Jesus. The cross compels us to tell others about Jesus. The cross compels us to worship Jesus to cry out and to glory in the cross, to glory in our Savior Jesus. The cross compels us to praise God, to praise God because God is our comforter, to praise God because God is our defender, to praise God because God is our help, God is our healer, God is the name above all names, God is our redeemer, God is our restorer, God is our strength, God is our sustainer, God is the righteous, trustworthy, almighty God for you and for me. God is our everlasting Father. He is faithful. He is just. He is true. And we can praise God. We can please God as brothers and sisters of Christ because we know God because of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we're able to please God and praise God in and through our relationship with God by His grace through our response of faith in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. I want us to do just that in these moments together. I'm gonna encourage you to just spend time refocusing your heart and your mind on pleasing God. The altar is open as it always is for you to come and, and do business as our our worship team comes to lead us in this time of response. You could come and do business with the Father Neil right here. Our pastors will be here at the front. They would love to pray with you, pray for you. God's calling us as brothers and sisters in Christ to a couple of application points. And that means he wants us to, to please him. He wants us to renew our desire, our commitment to please him today, to please him first and most. And God's also calling us to praise him, to spend time praising him for who he is, to spend time rejoicing and boasting and glorying in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spend time praising God that, that you, that you know God. Because of the grace of God that was poured out on you, that drew you to him by faith in Jesus. We can all praise God and rejoice that we are no longer dead in our sins and transgressions. We are no longer separated from God. We have been brought into the family of God, adopted by God into his family through faith in his son, our savior, Jesus Christ. And let me encourage you this morning, if you've yet to place your faith in Jesus, if you've yet to, to receive this gift of salvation, then I would encourage you right here today, right now, don't wait. Take that opportunity. If you're a worshiping, worshiping online or here in person, don't wait. Run to the Lord 
As you've heard the good news of the gospel this morning, Jesus took our place on the cross. He paid our price for sin. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. And on the third day, he rose again, victorious over sin and death for you and for me. The law tells us faith in Jesus is the only way to God because we can't get there in any other way. It's Jesus. And so we know the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ compels us to repent of our sins, to stop living our way, and to surrender, to confess that we want to live God's way, to confess those sins to God, and then to just place our faith and trust in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. The scripture says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. It's our opportunity to respond to the Lord in obedience. Let's stand and let's please and praise God together.